0: Guys, today's episode is going to be a fun one. We're going to be talking about how to lead at a young age. No matter what your age is, you can, today, we're not the next generation, now generation. Super excited to jump in on this hot button topic. i have had plenty of conversations with you as a listeners, with friends, workers, with ex-coworkers. Just highlighting this topic of the, the age, is it really a defining factor in what roles we're we supposed to be in, inside of the church, and out? Gonna jump right in. But before that, thank you so much for subscribing. If you're listening or watching this on YouTube, leaving a review and listening to this on our podcast. It's been so much fun to build a community with you. Again, we're just getting a little bit better each day. This is not absolute truth. Some of this is in this podcast, but most of it is just observations and just insights from me and my experience. So thank you again for listening to this. Again, it's been so much fun. One cool thing coming out on the version app, I do have a devotional coming out on the 25th, which should be this week. It's going to be really fun. we we'll are be talking about this idea of leading young. No matter what age you are, you can lead. You can lead today. You can make an impact today. You do not have to be a specific age to make a difference. It doesn't matter if you're seven or 70. You can make a difference today. So devotional is coming out. It's a super short one, super practical, super t- straight to the point because I believe leadership most of the time is more practical than we make it. Yes, it, there are some great insights and theories on leadership that we've all listened to. We've all read those books, but I do believe it is very practical. And on this episode, I really do want to talk about how to lead no matter what age you are in. I think this is a topic that we can talk about all the time because again, leadership, we always think about it as like in the future, when I get the leadership role at my job, when I'm when I'm a leader, when I get this stuff figured out, then I could become a leader throughout as you are a leader today. It doesn't matter what your age, what your demographic, what your upbringing was you can lead. And there's really two different ways you can lead. And these are the ways that we're going to kind of break it down and then go just kind of jump right into some some important topics. So number one, you're leading currently with a title and full permission in your job or in your church. So this is you. You have a title. You've been given authority. You've been giving a staff or a group of people in your organization to lead. The other side of it though is leading without a title or with no permission. You're coming in and you're saying, and how do i how do i take charge how do i impart the knowledge or insights that i have that i might not have the permission to do so as the organization strikes but i do think i have some insights or things to bring into that so those are the two different ways that we can think about this and we're going to talk about both i think they both are high desired no matter who you are i think you do want to have some ownership uh, i i guess you should anyways but like this big idea of leading young or the the next generation is what i've heard and i've talked about this all the time but It's really a a negative connotation. Like I do not like next generation language. I don't like next, because think about that. Like there's now and there's next. These are the people coming up. The reality is I believe the next generation are humans who haven't been born yet. The now generation is you. Whoever listening to this, you are the now generation. Again, as a matter if you're seven or 70, you can lead today. It's our decisions and it's our behaviors that we instill in ourselves the confidence to be able to lead and empower others because a leader does have followers. Like a leader without a follower, that's not a thing, right? But we do want to talk about this, the Gen Z, Generation Alpha. I'm Gen Z, i am general Z, as born in 1998. We're not the next generation. I think that's the biggest joke of all time. You're not, the, you're not the next generation. You're a now generation. You can lead today. And if you apply the things we'll talk about through this, you absolutely will be a leader whether that's one person following you or 10 million, it does not matter. You are a leader. And I want to help you understand that any journey that we've been on, we tend to, the older people tend to put us just in this pipeline, this development pipeline that someday this is the future you. For example, if you're in ministry, what is the pipeline to become a lead pastor? I'll share it with you. You go to Bible college, you intern you're the associate youth pastor, you're the youth pastor, and you might become the associate pastor or campus pastor. And at 35 to 38, then you might be able to become a lead pastor or the executive pastor. And then, so there's like this organizational pipeline that happens. And through that, the only thing that changes is your experience and knowledge. No matter what, again, It doesn't matter. We all acquire more knowledge. We acquire more experiences, and that shapes us. That makes us a better leader. doesn't mean that we aren't a leader from the start. So I really want to help kind of shake that pipeline up. Again, it's the same similar world in the business world. You get hired. Maybe you're an intern. You turn into a BDR and then a BDS. And then from a sales, then you go to customer success. Customer success, then you might be able to be a manager, two to three people. Then the manager gets hired and brings another person. Now you're the executive. And now then you have 20 years of experience. Then you can start a business. Well, no, you can probably start a business today and lead 10 people because you're building people. You're getting them understanding of the vision you feel like you're supposed to do and help them play their part to build cooperation, coordination across the board. So really want to shake up this pipeline situation because if we don't, we don't, if we don't define what we're talking about here, or if your person above you does not define what a leader is, there's really no point of attaining or, or chasing this because most of the time when somebody doesn't define something in your organization, your leader doesn't define what that next step is or help you see the next step. It's actually a covert operation. What I would say for manipulation, they're like manipulating you subconsciously to be able to get you to just stay because they're insecure and they don't want you to take their job or they don't want you to get paid more than them or whatever that is. And that's horrible, right? So this is, in my experience, a couple things that what a leader is. A leader has integrity, which screams volumes and weight more than any cool quotes, their fashion, their Instagram followers. Are they the same person privately as they are publicly? Do they treat the intern the same as their executive? Again, integrity screams. If you don't have an integral leader, number one, get away from them. Number two, motto it looks like to have integrity. And integrity isn't this thing that we chase that's perfection because we all have idiosyncrasies. We all have things that are wrong with us. I understand that. But integrity is kind of the baseline. I think that's what we've almost deemed as the goal, which is ridiculous, especially in the church. We should live with integrity. We should be the same person as we are privately as, and are publicly. And you can see this very, very practically when somebody goes to communicate on Zoom with a staff meeting or at church in front of 300 people. Is there a switch that they switch? And it's like, that is not the same person. I don't know who you are, who you're pretending to be, but you are not the same person on our staff meeting. Very different. Because what that is, is is they're, they're shaping themselves to form into an environment. And how, how horrible is that to be able to have, you have to shape yourself to be a specific person in an environment, whether that's preaching on a Sunday or leading a staff meeting or going to dinner with your kids, you should be the same person. And again, there's different environments or different communication methods. understand that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying does your heart, heart shift to get people to like you. And there's a lot of things there to unpack. We don't have time for, but Does a person lead with integrity? Do you have integrity? Are you the same person privately and publicly? Being a great listener. I think we always tend to follow people who are great communicators, which isn't a bad thing. But what I'm more interested in, not a great communicator, but a great listener. You can always tell a leader in the room when they are the ones listening. Because a great listener is always learning. And we we all have heard that quote, great leaders are great learners. Yes, which means you gotta be a good listener. When you're sitting at a staff meeting observing the people, who's the person rambling and talking too much, and who's the person just listening and understanding, they're getting better. They're listening, they're hearing, They're observing the environment. doesn't mean they're an introvert or an extrovert. Is the person a great listener? The second part of this is, are they a great question asker? If you can observe and find the people who ask the best second and third layer questions to dig deep into the observation, again, it's sales. Are they doing proper discovery to be able to find the real problem and to help people see that problem and gain agreement on that problem? That is a leader who will create impactful change. And again, like I said, this is for you. You can take this right now and become the leader in your context, no matter the title or permission or not. If you are a great listener, if you're the same person privately and publicly, you know how to ask great questions. Forgot the author, but there's a book called Tell Me More that book drastically changed the way I ask questions over dinner, over a phone call, over in-person coffees, no matter what it is, to be able to ask that second and third layer question to be able to help that person self-discover what they're talking through. I have a lot of phone calls with pastors, youth pastors, tech company owners, whatever. Every time, this, the call always looks like me just asking questions. And I, it's almost like game in my head, like I'm going to ask more questions than you. And again, I'm not perfect. I'm in, I have insecure moments. I have moments where I ramble or talk too much when I'm trying to get people to like me. I understand that we're all in that boat together. But what I'm saying is these are just observations to be able to define what an actual leader is. So they ask great questions. Do do you create or does that leader create safety and trust in the people around them? If you're in context, I've said this in my episode before this, but there's always somebody in that table who you really don't trust. There's somebody that I don't know what it is, but there's something in our brain or our heart or our soul spirit is telling us something's, there's a disconnect with that person and myself. That is a big red flag about either them or you again. But do we do we have safety and trust in that room? And does that leader help build that? And trust doesn't happen overnight. Even on a one-on-one basis, you're not going to have trust with that person initially. But again, if you ask her questions, if you're a great listener, if you're consistent, you don't freak out when they tell you stuff that as a pastor, you're like, whoa, I don't know if I should know that. Just watch your countenance, listen, say, tell me more and learn. But a person who doesn't have trust and safety in that room, and it's usually one or two people in that whole room that nobody trusts and get them out of that room because they are going to ruin the culture and environment. Again, it, doesn't t- it takes one bad apple to ruin the whole field. So being capable of doing what you're doing. That's the last one that I'll say and we'll jump in a different context, but are you a capable person? Like can you practically do the things that someone's asking you to do and doing it well? If you're a high performer, that doesn't mean you're a leader, but it definitely is a good indicator. They probably got something going on. So, you can lead people older than you? I don't I don't know who told you that. I don't know if that's just been a no one told you that. It's just insecurity going on in your subconscious thinking about I'm 21, I can't lead somebody 35. I haven't I haven't walked in their shoes. I've heard that a lot. I used to communicate that a lot. I used to say that a lot. Again, because I've been in environments where I'm the youngest person, but I'm the person people are looking to, to lead them. That's what we always communicate to ourselves. I haven't walked in their shoes. How would I ever know how to give them wisdom and insight of something I've never walked in? And yes, there are, there is some merit to walking and doing life and understanding and having experience. That's wisdom is just experience applied, right? So that is the wisdom. You don't have to actually go through that experience to have wisdom in that area. I don't have to do drugs to know. I probably shouldn't do drugs. I've learned from other people in their experience not to do so. Again, you can lay people older than you. There's some four kind of insights. They're kind of in the same space, but just to gain, for you to gain some confidence, this is what I'll say to you listening to this. If you're a listener, this is for you. If they wanted them in the role, they would be. If God wanted them in the role, they would be in that role. If they wanted you, in the role you would be. And if God wanted you in that role, you would be in there. Great. So, to kind of unpack this a little bit, you are in that position for a reason. Maybe again, it's not a title, but it is a task. It's an ownership of people. You are in that position for a reason. Now, it is our responsibility. It's a personal responsibility that happens when you say, okay, my leader put me here and or God put me here. Therefore, I'm going to do what I'm asked to do, which is lead. So if God wanted somebody else in that position, someone else would be in that position. If God wanted somebody to start that business, he would have, but he chose you. Therefore, you need to lead. And leadership isn't dominance. You're not a dictator. You're not walking in looking, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm the leader. That's not a leader. That is not. That's a very insecure, small person. The leader, again, we just talked about this, integrity, listener, great questions, a capable person. If God wanted you in that role, you would be in it. But if you are, he chose you, so lead. And the people who can't lead, people who can't be led by somebody younger than them, is the most insecure person in that room and in that context, and no matter what environment you're in. Because you don't need to know more than somebody to lead them. That's such a lie. And again, we have to bring definitions to things because if we don't, then we all just have this general disagreement, but we're really not talking about the same thing. I'm talking about leading somebody, which means bringing somebody from where they are to where they're going, similar to how you lead yourself. You're taking yourself on a journey, a personal discipline day to day to grow yourself, which means you're leading yourself. That's the same exact context of what we're talking about with other people. What they'll usually say, you haven't lived enough life to be able to speak into that. Somebody is married and you're dating. You might not be able to give them full context of practical marriage advice, but that doesn't mean you can't sit at dinner, ask them questions, hear them out, give them a place to for them to be able to be safe and trust you. Again, because ninety nine percent of this stuff happens through self discovery. Again, I say this every podcast: you're not the superhero in this story. You are actually creating superheroes. You're the person behind the picture, creating that superhero in that person. So. You haven't, you haven't lived enough life. Okay, let's all just say, no, we probably haven't. Okay, I can't speak into everything, but I can be a person who can sit and listen. And just to be clear here, I know that there, again, isn't proper definitions in times, but being a pastor is not being a therapist. Just like being an entrepreneur isn't being a doctor. Like you're not gonna diagnose people all the time. You're not gonna be a counselor. And there are moments of counseling sessions and there are moments of, sitting and listening to people and be able to give speak into things. But most of the time, we're trying to fill a role that we're really not supposed to be in. So if somebody's going through some major mental health crisis or they're having some serious marital problems, you're not a bad leader for recommending them to go to a counselor. You're not a bad boss for saying, hey, I love that you're sharing that and I hope you know that you should feel safe around me. But the reality is, I would rather recommend you to somebody that's all they do. That's not bad. You should be able to, again, be that person that they can trust, they feel safe around, they can be themselves around, no matter their age. But again, just because you haven't had quote unquote experience doesn't mean, you can't speak into something, especially if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, you're in a position of authority. Again, you might be leading one person, you're leading the host team, or you're leading the worship team, and you have five people underneath you on the structure of the organization, you can lead them. Number one, God called you, so He will sustain you with the wisdom you need if you sit with Him. He will give you the wisdom. Again, I w- I just saw my notes a couple of days ago of the people that I used to lead. We had a, I had a, in my notes I would sit and pray and just think about them. Like, what do they need in our next one-on-one? What do they need from me? What is a word from God for them to go to recharge them to get life back into their bones? It's not bad. You should be able to do so. And the entrepreneur side of it, or the business owner side of it, the manager side of it, the secular space you can still do the same thing you don't even have to believe in jesus to have empathy and understanding and create safety and trust in people so this is another caveat to this i i feel like i've mentioned this a lot or you've i'm sure you've heard this but the disciple the disciples of jesus in the new testament were teenagers they were not the the scribes or the pharisees or the the levites all those people most of the time were older They were older people, and it was based on this. My parents, it's all, all, think generations in the the New Testament, the Old Testament. These people, again, Jesus chose the 19-year-old fisherman or the 21-year-old fisherman over the Pharisees who had all the scriptures memorized, had all the laws figured out. They had it all figured out, and the people who had it all figured out weren't chosen. Again, it doesn't mean you, just because you have it all figured out doesn't mean you're a leader. What they did was they said yes, and they put all, all their energy into it. We forget, some of these guys had kids. Some of these guys had wives. They left their nets, or they left their job, they left their location to follow Jesus. And spending three years with Jesus, again, probably way better results as a for them to be a leader. You can think about the pioneers of the New Testament church, Paul, Peter, all these guys. Again, Paul, you would probably say, Knew a lot of the scriptures based on his position. Like he was a very religious guy. I understand that. Murdered Christians. But most of the time their experiences, what happened was these guys followed Jesus. They were close to Jesus. They observed how Jesus led and in real time applied that. What I love, the the story about Peter and Jesus. Right after Jesus gets crucified, Peter goes back to his vocation. He's sitting on a boat. Jesus obviously resurrects. He's in the lake, and Peter sees him, jumps out of the boat, gets excited. They have breakfast together. So within forty days of that situation, Peter goes from basically giving up on his right and authority that he was chosen by Jesus to be a leader, to lead in Jesus's kingdom and God's kingdom, and one weekend basically goes back, quits on all of that, has one conversation with Jesus, and then forty days later is preaching to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. What you can observe from this situation is in our moments of insecurity and going back to what's comfortable and the insecurities of, man, I I thought he was the guy. I thought he was the Messiah. The confidence reboost. 40 days later, the dude's preaching to thousands of people. We can apply this today to not have to go back to the old thing, whatever was comfortable in our situation, and be able to know God chose me. Like I am chosen to do blank, whatever that is for you. You don't. Again, you might not be preaching to thousands of people. You might be leading a Bible study. Whatever your context is, but just know, if God called you, that means you don't have to wait a certain age. You don't have to have Ephesians memorized to be able to lead someone to Jesus. We understand that, but again, your role, your title, all of that doesn't carry as much weight. I'll say to the anointing or being chosen by God. The disciples were teenagers, so. Get over that fact. And again, you might actually be 65 years old listening to this episode, and you're saying, I can't speak to Generation Z. I don't I don't. I don't know how to talk to them. That's fine. Again, that is the other side of being a leader, understanding I might not know it all, but I'm not the know-it-all. I'm the person who asks questions and gets to understand them. So again, your role, your title doesn't instantly mean you're anointed and approved by God. And if you are anointed and approved by God, all of that stuff will actually sustain it. So if God wanted you in that position, he will sustain it by giving you the wisdom, the insight, the the thoughts of it, the confidence of it, because you can be confident by yourself anyways for about 60 days. Then the real inside of you starts to come out, whether that's a meeting, whether that's a one-on-one, whatever it is. But again, God called you, he will sustain it. So what would your life look like if you acquired that confidence of saying, I'm called and chosen and I don't need permission from anyone else to be an agent of change in my environment? So your environment might be, you work at a job, it's not your forever job, but it's you work there today and you're saying, "And I just see things that I don't actually agree with practically and culturally. I might be in this environment to actually be the agent of change in this environment. You can change your environment. And it starts with you changing your attitude and posture in that room or right? in that Zoom call or at that table, be the best listener. Come in with a smile on your face, ask great questions people will start to follow you. Again, this isn't, this isn't a podcast to teach you how to be a dictator or get people to like you. That isn't, that's not what I'm saying. So this big question, stop. How do we empower Gen Z or Generation Alpha to rise up in our churches? I've been asked this hundreds of times from older people saying, hey, so I've got 30 kids going to our, our youth group that are Gen, Gen Alpha How do I get them to empower and to bring their friends from high school or middle school to our youth group? Or how do I get people to serve in my church? Here's a couple of things that I would say will help you empower this generation of people to be able to lead in your environment. Again, it might also be in the business world. You just hired a Gen Z guy and you're like, how do I empower this guy? Number one, stop treating them like the next generation. Stop, stop treating them like they're the next in line. After you get out of your position, then they will be able to rise up. That isn't going to work. Empower them today. They're the now generation. Even cut that out of your language. My recommendation, get the next generation word, next gen, completely out of your context. That will be a huge help. Stop having panels without them in it. Practically. How many youth conferences out there have a Generation Z panel with no Gen Z in it? Let me know how that makes sense. It doesn't make any sense. Stop having them not a part of the thing you're trying to build that is your target audience your target audience as a youth pastor should be generation z or generation alpha whatever so start bringing them along the journey with it like if you're trying to put a service together or a a big event for your outreach or your evangelism night whatever maybe bring generation z into the conversation say hey what would your friends like if we did an hour and a half event on a wednesday what would they like somebody doesn't know jesus like they're 16. What 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 they what would they want? Instead of assuming you know, because you probably don't. You're out of the picture. You're out of their world. You don't go to their school. If you do, that's kind of weird. But all right, stop looking down on them and start listening to them. Again, listening. We need to listen to Generation Alpha. Take them to coffee. Ask them great questions about what they love. What are they passionate about? And this is a super practical example. Keep seeing this guy on Twitter who's a pastor tweet about kids playing video games like basically calling them a joke calling them a bunch of names for doing playing video games like get out in your yard and play with your friends your real community which i understand there is some merit to getting outside getting some vitamin d or vitamin c whatever get that and what you're communicating to the millions of kids who love video games who actually might have potential in creating income and doing that for a job Or reaching people that he would never reach instead of sitting down and asking them, tell me about this, like in the the voice chat on Discord, like what do you guys talk about? Instead of doing that, you just instantly assume video games are bad. Just like anything else, it can't be bad if it's overdone. And there's high schoolers right now reaching thousands and thousands, even 10 people, even one person being reached through that avenue is a brilliant strategy to get people to know Jesus. So instead of making assumptions and looking down on them for their context, looking differently than yours, again, my generation was the first generation to grow up in with phones, with the internet, that the millennials grew up experiencing it for the first time. So half their life they didn't, then they experienced it. We grew up with it. That was our only context. That's our only way of knowing how to live and be around the life. So stop looking down on them. Stop assuming things about the generation. And stop communicating negatively publicly about them on a Sunday, by the way. Holy smokes. So many pastors and people are communicating all the negative things about the generation. Would you want to be in a room and all you heard about was how bad I am or how bad my friends are? No. That's ridiculous, right? We should be able to listen to them, understand them. We don't have to speak their language. We don't have to dress like them to fit in. That's weird. But you do need to ask them good questions. You need to be a person of empathy and understanding. The last one on, really, how do we empower Gen Z is lead the way." Like let them lead. If you're not seeing anyone in your context, help them be empowered, empower them. Give one person, it doesn't have to be a title, but ownership of something. This could be super practical. "Hey, on Wednesday night, I want you to run the playlist." Obviously, no cuss words, but no explicit language. You run the playlist. Let's make it fun, Let's make it pop in, do whatever you got to do. You run the game. We couldn't figure out a game. It's always awkward. So why don't you just do it? Giving them stuff to own creates so much fun for them because now they feel like they're actually a part of the thing you're trying to build. Plenty of pastors are just building a stage for them to preach. That's ridiculous. That's not what we should be doing. You're creating an avenue, again, for the people to transition into their adult life, loving God and loving the church and loving each other. If you're not doing that, And here's a huge indicator of you're not doing that. Once they graduate high school, how many, what percentage of those people are dropping off from attending your local church? If that percentage is high, what you're doing is building a mini church and building your platform versus helping them integrate into the church. Get them serving on Sundays. Make it fun. The Sundays are the goal. Wednesday is not the goal. I understand there's the argument of they are going to this, our church service for the first time they need to be around the language and all that needs to be something they fit. Yes, which means your Sunday should have that as well. The Sunday shouldn't be only talking about 50 plus. That's weird. Everyone attending the service should be able to be communicated to. And that starts with message. But so let's let's lead the way. Let's help them understand they are not the next generation they're the now generation. They can lead today. They can make a change today. No matter if you're in elementary school, sitting with the lonely kid at lunch, the high schooler, complimenting the the kid who's kind of a nerd serving in whatever ministry it doesn't matter. We can make a difference by listening, by empowering them, by building trust and safety, and being able for them to be themselves. And I'll end with this: what what we can always do is having a posture and confidence. Right, those are the two things you need. Always lead with empathy and understanding. That creates a, a healthy posture. Unhealthy posture says this is about me. Healthy says this is about you and us building something together. Confidence. I'm not here from your strength, right? I'm not here from your strength. I'm here because God called me to be here. Therefore, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make an impact. I've been in roles since I was 17 that I should not have been in by quote unquote statistics or by insight or whatever. The only things that Either place me in that role, obviously God, removing that from the context because we're very aware that's what God does. He places us in positions we're not supposed to be in to be able for us to sustain with him. Get that. But when I've been in positions or I've been in roles that I quote unquote shouldn't be in, it's the journey of getting rid of the insecurities. And again, it's sanctification. It's us getting to know Jesus more, therefore getting to know and to be more like Jesus, to be more of an understanding servant leader. Again, he's the leader of leaders. That's that's our model. We don't have any other model. So I, I have I've yet to have it figured all have it all figured out. I've yet to be the perfect leader. I've yet to be a guy who, again, John Maxwell doesn't even have it all figured out. Nobody has it all figured out. And if they do, they're the most insecure person on the planet. So you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be the perfect leader. You don't have to be the guy who can quote all the Bible verses. What you need to know is your daily devotional life with Jesus. And your daily disciplines you are applying every day is going to define the potential and future leader of yourself. You can lead today. You are a leader today. Make an impact no matter what your environment is. And I believe God has called you in that reason for a reason. You'll get in that context. Lead with impact. Now you're an agent of change. You can walk into that room with confidence, with a, with a servant's posture, I just want to ask the best questions. I just want to be the person who listens. And I want to be the person who is highly capable. Nobody's going to know more about that subject than myself. If you do that, you're going to be an incredible leader. Thank you so much for listening to this. I hope that you know you are not the next generation. You are a leader today. You can make a difference today, and you will make a difference today. See you next week.